0: And to hydrate your body, what it does for you. <clears throat> well, good evening, everyone. We had quite a good number this morning. Uh, lots of visitors and good things. And getting to see some that were familiar faces return, and good to have them with us. Um, if you will, this evening, turn with me to John chapter six. That's where we'll start. <clears throat> In John chapter six, this will be our longest reading of the evening. It's uh, verses fifteen through forty. <clears throat> it's a little bit lengthy reading. I thought I might ask if I'd have any volunteers to help read this evening. <laughs> <Properly>. <laughs> evening. Sister Shirley. <laughs> Whatever you- whatever you need. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Well, um, we'll start in verse 15. Uh, I think we can read about, those of us that will read about five verses apiece. Um, I'll start us off in verse 15. I'll read 15 through 20. It says, John chapter six. I'm sorry. I was talking away from the mic. John chapter six, and we'll start in Verse 15 says Jesus therefore perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone and now when evening came his disciples went down to the sea and after getting into the boat they started to cross the sea to Capernaum and it had already become dark and Jesus had not yet come to them and the sea began to uh, to be stirred up because of a strong wind that was blowing. And when they therefore had rowed about three or four miles, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Tony, if you'll read uh, verse 21
1: through 25. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save the one wherein two his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came another boats from Tiberias nigh into the place where they did eat bread, and there after that the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping. And came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Okay.
0: Joe, if you want to read, read verses 26 through
1: 30. Oh, well, I didn't do 25. Oh, that's 20, right. Oh,
0: that's okay. Go ahead.
1: Uh, and when they had <coughs> found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou? <clears throat> okay.
0: And then, uh, Joe, if you read 26 through 30. Sorry, I meant 26 through 30, Tony.
2: <laughs> Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perished, but for that meat which endured unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto them, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? But Jesus answered and said unto him, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. They said, Therefore unto him, what sign shallest thou then that we may see and believe thee, what doest thou work? <coughs>
0: I'll read verse 31. You want to, uh, Dwayne, do you want to read?
3: Uh, our Father did eat manna in the desert, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, early, early I was saying to you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, is he which cometh
0: down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Okay. <clears throat> and, they, uh, and they said therefore to him, Lord, evermore give us the bread, this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that I have see, uh, that have seen me, yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me will certainly not be cast out. For I have come down from heaven, and not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I Myself will raise him up on the last day. So a a, a lengthy reading that we have here this evening, uh, where we're starting. But it was necessary just to have the context of what was happening here. Of course, the first uh, about 10 verses there from 15 on through 25 is talking about the account of Jesus walking on the water and the, uh, the multitude that was seeking after him. So verse 15 starts off with they were trying to take hold of him by force uh, to make him king. So we know historically speaking that the Jews and the scripture uh, thought that the Messiah would come and physically uh, place a kingdom on this earth to rule and reign. But again, Jesus has told them this is not, this is not what was gonna happen. Um, so he withdrew himself from them. And he says to the mountain alone. He says now in the evening the disciples went on the sea, and they started to cross the sea there uh, uh, to Capernaum, but Jesus wasn't with them. But yet, <clears throat> what happened? Said so the, the sea began to stir with a strong wind, and they were rowing out there. And Jesus came out to them. He says, "It is I. Do not be afraid." They were they were so scared. Uh, No telling what they thought it was. Of course, according to the different accounts there, it seems that they thought he might be a spirit or something like that, walking out across the waters. But Jesus, nonetheless, uh, when they they recognized who he was, they, what, they bid him to come under the boat immediately. Uh, By the way, I'm reading from the New American Standard, if that reading sounds different. I figured y'all probably knew that, but... uh, but the interesting thing here is in this account of Jesus walking on the water, these people were frightened. They were scared. But at the same time, they didn't realize it was the Son of God who was walking across the water. So he told them, He says, It's me, be not afraid. They're like, Okay, come on. <laughs> I don't think it was that simple. I think they were still, you know, probably pretty shook up. But he says there, they were willing therefore to receive him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going so then it uh, it moves back to the next day it goes to the next day and it says this multitude was still what seeking after him they came seeking him. it says they, uh, they came on other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they had ate the bread after the lord had given thanks so this was after the account of the feeding of the five the 5000 there with the loaves and the fishes so the preceding verses there, he they begin to ask him a question. He says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he says, uh, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? It's like, how did you get here? <laughs> this so quickly, I think, is what they were kind of intending. Is but he goes on to tell him, he says, Truly, truly I say to you, Seek me not uh, seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of at the loaves and were filled. He's like, Why why are you seek me because I filled you up, not because you're seeking to see these signs. He says, Do not work for food, which perishes. So what do you think the, the thought and intent of Jesus was there? Was to get him to think about what they were doing. He's like, don't seek for something, just look for these wonders that I've performed, but do you think that they would believe that the person that was able to do this was the Son of God? So then he goes on there, and he says, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. He's like, you're you're looking after these signs, but... I'm here to fulfill a a purpose and fulfill what the Lord has, has set about for me to do. He says, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? That's what they were asking. And what is Jesus' response? He said, this is the work of God that you believe in him who has sent me. Simple, right? You'd think. But it seems like as the exchange goes on, he says further there, he says, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? He's like, What what's the purpose of this? What what works do you perform? He says, Our fathers ate man in the wilderness, as is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said, Therefore, truly, truly I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven but it is the Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. What's he saying? He said, I'm the the bread of life. I'm the one that will feed you and sustain you. You just need to believe the Lord that he would provide a way of deliverance. They still didn't understand that the Messiah was there to deliver them to a better way of serving God. But yet they were so worried about their bellies and being full. He goes on there and he says, For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He wasn't talking about the manna that was given to Israel to sustain them in the desert when they were making the exodus to the promised land. He was talking about spiritual food. Spiritual salvation, this salvation from the flesh that will sustain them and they says Lord evermore give us this bread and he goes I'm the bread of life What what is it that gives us the opportunity to partake in serving the Lord it's faith isn't it we obviously believe that Jesus is the son of God don't we we're obviously baptized into his into into the new covenant through his name so Jesus is telling them plainly here I'm the bread of life it says he who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst but I say to you that you have seen me yet do not believe What is it we talked about a couple weeks ago? The veil of understanding. They didn't have the veil of understanding. They had the veil of understanding still on their their eyes and their, their minds and their heart. Why? Because they were still seeking for something that wasn't there. He says, all that the Father gives me shall come to me and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Why didn't they believe? The absence of faith is doubt. They doubted that Jesus was the Son of God, it seems. What is doubt? It's the absence of trust. And Jesus is trying to help help them along here. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of Him who sent me, and this is the will of Him who sent me, that of all that He has given me, I lose nothing, but raise up, raise it up on the last day. What is he talking about? Lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Talking about re- resurrecting a people for the new kingdom. He says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. But he says there, beholds the Son and believes in him. This particular translation, I don't like it. I I don't like the way it translates it, because if you look at the original text, it indicates, again, a continuous believing in, continual process, One who beholds the Son and continues believing in Him may have eternal life. He was trying to get them to understand that they needed to place their faith in the appropriate person, not in the works of men or the law or the traditions of men, but place their trust in the Lord, that He had provided Jesus as a way and a means of sacrifice to cleanse them from all their sins. Not just that continual sacrifice yearly rolling over, remission of their sins, but a complete fulfilling of that law so that they might have a continual sacrifice through Him. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Again, I would encourage you to read, as we read through this, and as we study it, that you don't... Take my word for it. Just merely looking at looking at the scripture for what it says. Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> verse 19 through 21. Probably have enough for each one of us to read one verse there. Tony, if you want to start us there in verse 19 of chapter 2 in Galatians.
1: 19 of chapter 2? Uh, yes, sir. For, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God.
0: Joe, do you want to read verse 20 there?
2: I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself
3: for me.
0: Wayne, do you want to read 21? Do not frustrate the grace of God for righteousness cometh by the law and Christ is dead in vain. Yeah. So <clears throat> he says there, through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. What's he talking about there? Paul's talking about that. He said, for I, what? I died to the law that I might live to God. How, how is that possible? Well, through, through Jesus. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. He goes on to clarify that previous statement there. And I, I think it, the most interesting thing there that he says, he says, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So, by faith in the Son of God, Paul had life in Christ, didn't he? When previously he didn't live much of a life at all, did he? He thought he did. But his zealous persecution of the church wasn't a life really to live, was it? Because it was contrary to the to the teachings of Christ. So then he goes on there he says, I live by, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself for me. Hmm. It says, by faith in the Son of God. So it's only through Jesus that we have this opportunity. Christ loved us enough that we should do this. Then he goes on he says, I do not nullify the grace of God for it is righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Hmm. He says, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. He's like, I'm not, not trying to nullify the grace of God here. I'm not trying to nullify the favor of God. But it's through Christ that I have life. What do you think the struggle was there? Most of these brethren that we read in these accounts and these uh, in these epistles there were struggling. They still struggled. Some of these Jewish brethren struggled under the old law, as well as the Gentiles who struggled to understand uh, understand why the Jews wanted them to be under under the law when Christ had been provided a way that was far better. Where the Old Testament seemed to cause them to struggle regarding their faith, that's what God wanted them to truly see was that faith is a requirement in our service to God. Do you think that faith was there when, they, when those many fell in the desert because they stood up to play the harlot and they made the golden calf? Do you think they they had faith in God then? No, they're like, take us back to Egypt. We had food and we had all the things that we need to be provided for. Does that sound like sound like somebody? Sometimes we do the same thing. We're like, well, we had a good back over so and so. I remember we we had all this instead of thanking God for the blessings that they had right then. Those few that didn't that didn't rise up and play. Before the golden calf, what happened to them? They were delivered through that whole situation, weren't they? But the rest were swallowed up by the earth.
1: You know, it's so quick for us to judge the children of Israel, but but you know, uh, can you imagine getting up for forty years and walking every day from sunup to sundown, eating the same food? Yeah. Could you You just? Yeah, you can see where 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 fleshly you would be, you would get.
0: Yeah. It, it's it's so hard. It forty it, years is a long time
1: to wonder.
0: Well they had it was a it was sweltering heat. You you had to imagine it had sweltering heat. They had what harsh conditions. It was rocky nothingness. I mean they one could one could get to that point. I mean think about the things that we question and it's, easy, it's just an
3: art. Right.
0: Exactly. And you know, really considering that we have to put ourselves in those shoes too and think even today, we do we do similar things. You know, we do the same thing with, with reading the account of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Christ said there was no one more righteous than the Pharisees. He says, if they don't make it, uh-oh, you know. Um, so I think you're right, Brother Tony. We have to be very careful that we not put ourselves here over those that, that come before us because we're no better. We are capable of the same things, aren't we? So, Philippians uh, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5 want we can probably read I would say probably four verses a piece I'll start with reading uh, there in verse 5 it says in in the view of our participation in the gospel from the first day until now for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will uh, perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus For it is only right now uh, for me, excuse me, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is not my witness in how I long for you with affection of, of Christ Jesus. Tony, if you'll read verse nine there. And this
1: I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory
2: and praise of God. But I would, you you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherness of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all places and in all other places and many other people in the Lord wax confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the words without fear
0: Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, perfect. So, <clears throat> again here, we're, uh Paul is, is writing to the church at uh, Philippi. And he says, he begins out there with, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> he says, you're you have your participation in what you're participating in Christ. He says, I am confident that you have begun a good work. <clears throat> and it will be perfected until Jesus return." Then he goes on to, dis- uh, to say the same thing. He says, for it is so right now for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart since both an imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers of grace with me. So he said, I feel this way about you right now. He says, because you've been with me since my imprisonment and since the defense and confirmation of the gospel, since I defended the gospel and it was confirmed. That had to have been difficult for Paul to be, to be imprisoned, but yet also comforting because he knew that he had these brethren on the, on, on the outside of his cell that, that were standing with him in, in the faith. He goes on there and he says, God is my witness. He says, I long for uh, for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. What do you think it means to have the affection, of, uh, long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ? He did exactly what Christ did. He loved his brethren, didn't he? So he longed for them with the same affection. He says, I pray that your love may still abound, it may it may continue more in the knowledge and discernment. More in the this information, this this teachings that we that they've received and that they would be able to discern these things so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. So exercising their faith until the coming of Christ. He says sincere and blameless, without spot, and genuine. It was a genuine, genuine faith there. He says be filled with the fruits of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Jesus working in, working in them that they might, what? Be filled with the fruits of righteousness. They might produce those things. Just as it says over there about Jesus being the vine and the, and the branches what producing the fruit, right? Unless they're cut off they will produce that fruit while they're in Christ. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian garden to everyone. So he said, this is for the benefit of the Lord that they've heard about this. He says, it's provided greater progress What? Fulfilling what the Lord commissioned the church to do, wasn't it? Go out and preach and teach the gospel, baptizing in my name. He says there, Most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So trusting in the Lord... And through Paul's imprisonment, what he's gone through, these people had more courage to do so in Christ. Why? To do exactly what we, we are commissioned to do as his people. He goes on there in those latter verses, talking about those that are preaching. He says, Preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill, and the latter to do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the good defense of the gospel. He said the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives thinking the cause of distress in my imprisonment there were enemies that did those things out of vengeful spite just to, just to drag the name to them by don't you think that's at least what it seems right there he said the former the former proclaimed out of selfish ambition they didn't care about Christ they did about what it did what it did for them what benefit it was to them So there's, there's an alarm sounding there, don't you think? I mean, we have to be just as careful that we examine ourselves in Christ that these, these be not the ambitions that we have in our life. That was a bit of a warning there. He says, for me to live as Christ... And to die is gain, but if I am to live on, the, uh, on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard pressed from the direction, having to desire to depart and be with Christ, for that it is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. It's like I'd, I'd like to go and be with the Lord, but for your sake, I'd like to continue doing this. <clears throat> He said, it'd be good for me to go on and be with the Lord, but I, he's, he was concerned about his brethren's sake there, that his, the work wasn't finished that he was supposed to do. He just wanted them to continue trusting the Lord, didn't he? That's exactly what he wanted them to do. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3. chapter 3 verse 3 through 14 It <clears throat> probably divide that up into about 4 verses a piece I believe um, brother Wayne would you like to read verses um, 3, 4, 5 and 6 Of chapter 3? Yes, sir.
3: Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So we put it in a question form mm-hmm. of which, and we know that it's by the hearing of faith. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, by the works of the law, no flesh is going to be justified. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the coronality in the fleshly mind, I'm going to say, of man <laughs> we
0: seem to uh, look at it from I want to say our viewpoint and for our benefit more than the help and the benefit of others mm-hmm. Amen Amen <clears throat> Um. So you read 6 through None.
1: Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that the, they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. In the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In these shall all nations be blessed. So when they had so when they
2: which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Hmm. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written curse is it is one that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do this. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hang on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith,
0: So this, this particular text, um, reading, of course, kind of seems like it meshes right with Heba, that 11th chapter of Hebrews where it talks about what we call the heroes of faith. But it mentions specifically there, he says, uh, <clears throat> Even so Abraham believed God that it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So he believed God, he had faith in God that he was able to do that. But it was reckoned to him as righteous. Uh, righteousness is not something that we can readily attain in the flesh outside of, uh, outside of Christ. Scripture we talked about this morning a little bit that the flesh in the flesh is an impossible to please God, isn't it? But through the Spirit, what? Believing in him, he can impute that righteousness to us just like he, he was talking about with Abraham here but more specifically what did he do? why did he impute that righteousness to Abraham because Abraham believed him and he followed after him same thing there that <clears throat> he mentions over in the book of Hebrews about about those other accounts Noah, those things what happened? they were accounted for righteousness sake for what? because they did what the Lord told them to do didn't they? The same thing is accounted to us. We will believe the Lord and follow after his teachings and and follow after the example that Christ provides. That that faith will, what? It says that faith brings forth righteousness, doesn't it? It's not that we produce that righteousness, but it comes from God, through Christ. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? So, by the law? Which, if you don't, if none of us know this, the law is very unforgiving. It's very black and white. It's very literal. Um, Most, by most accounts today, Brother Tony, you worked with, with the sheriff's office for all these years. You've seen this, where... The interpretation of the law varies, but the application of the law still stays the same, doesn't it? <laughs> if you speed twenty miles over the speed limit, what's the penalty? You typically get a, a, a what? A dangerous, summon's r- 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 <laughs> r- yeah, summons ticket. You get a summons ticket. Sometimes you get hauled off to jail. Depends on the. Uh, probably depends on the the officer that pulls you over. But needless to say, you still get found guilty by the law because they have burden of proof that you were speeding. Lest the sign wasn't posted. <laughs> you might have a loophole there, but the law still remains the same. It judges you according to what you've done, according to the law, and the law says you don't speed. So therefore, you're found guilty because you've broken the speed limit. Those folks don't want to admit to guilt. That's That's the problem right there half the time we save ourselves the heartache of just admitting the guilt, right? When we when we've committed something egregious. But thank 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 the Lord that he's he's far more gracious than we deserve and more forgiving, and more forgiving than he deserves because if it's according to the flesh, we're pretty unforgiving, aren't we? I mean as as a general whole, this world is very unforgiving. But yet we see a means to an end to forgiveness of our sins, to cleanse us from unrighteousness. What he asks from us is far, far more simpler than we make it out to be, I think. That he requires us to exercise faith, trusting him that he says he's going to do what he says he's going to do. When he's going to do it, right? (laughs) Right?
3: Uh, what we Every bit
0: what we and, uh, I was coming
3: through Kansas one time and I knew I was uh, speeding a little but I thought out there in the middle of nowhere no old traffic, old cars coming in from the side, I could get away with said, uh, what's your hurry? And I said, I'm really not. But I said, I'm a long way from home. And there's a lot of driving yet to do to get there. But I said, uh, I shouldn't have been driving over. from guilty. And he didn't want to believe it. I would out that attitude. <laughs> And I think
0: like, yeah, that really got me out of the ticket, and all I got was a hmm That Cherokee Nation State trooper that pulled me over March of last year when I was driving out here to come visit, uh, did a similar thing. I was driving and I was just trying to get in a hurry to get back out on the interstate so I could get get gone to come up here. And he pulled me over and he says, You were going He asked he says, Do you know how fast you were going? and I said I knew I was going fast. I said, no, sir, I didn't. But I said, I knew I was driving probably faster than I should have. I just kind of went, he says, what brings you out here? And I'm just like, I just blurted out like it was a truth serum. You know, I'm, I'm a preacher. I've traveled to Colorado to go preach for a church up there. And he looks at me and goes, hmm. I couldn't get my, my insurance to work and pull it up on my phone. So he goes back to check my license everything. He comes back and he says, have a good day, Mister Porterfield, and slow down. I said, "Yes, sir." Have a good day. <laughs> and then we t- we took off. It was he already better that he didn't give you a ticket. hmm He could have. He could have just as easily wrote me that ticket for going how? And I know I had to have probably been going fifteen twenty over. It was back country roads, farmlands, and you know, I I told Donna I was nervous because I didn't know where I was, but I was just following the GPS. I wanted to get out of there. And he, he was very gracious, thank goodness, that he was. And Because uh, he could have just easily said, no, I'm going to show this guy a thing or two. So But he did, not I'm thankful to the Lord for that. I told that little color, I said, uh, I said, you made my day. <laughs> I just I said thank you, you made, you know, <laughs> oh. So just don't have to wear it often, but I said, I'm glad that you're human
3: enough.
0: Enough to, to-
3: Law. But, but I did i not watching my speech mm-hmm. I'm
0: guilty Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think typically that, that like you said that grace is given when we when we admit guilt you know recognizing that we are provided an opportunity to serve a God that, that by all accounts could hold us accountable for our unrighteous deeds but yet as we desire to be faithful and follow him, he provides us an opportunity for covering for our sins. I was laughing because we our feet to the fire. <laughs> yes, yes, hold our feet to the fire. <laughs> but to think that, that, that just by part that this faith equips us for far greater service to our God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9 and then we'll come to a close. We can just remember those couple of things that we've talked about, like we were just mentioning and what Brother Tony mentioned earlier. Um, remembering to make ourselves humble before the Lord and not, not lifted up above the examples in the scripture that we're better than them. Uh, that were capable of the same amount of, of distrust in the Lord. Matthew chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. <clears throat> I'll read verse 19 here. It says And then Jesus rose and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. Tony, you if you'll read verse 20.
1: And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment.
2: For she said within herself, "If I may but to touch his garment, I shall be
0: whole." So, verse 12 uh, uh, We want to read twenty-two for us, Brother Wayne.
3: But Jesus turned, him about, and when he saw her, he said, "Daughter, be of good comfort. My faith hath made thee whole, and a woman was made whole."
0: so again such a, such a simple account in the scripture demonstrating the power of God but also demonstrating the power of our faith placed in God she desired just to touch the hem of his garment that she would be made well and at the moment that she, that she did she became well didn't she he says daughter take courage your faith has made you well that demonstrates the power of our, of our faith placed in Jesus, that he is able to deliver us from all harm, from whatever illness we face, whatever disappointment we have in this life, he's able to deliver us from those things. We are provided with account after account in the New Testament there, reckoning that Christ is able to deliver us from whatever it is that we face. Just placing our faith and our trust in Him, and being obedient servants—that's what He asks of us. It just makes this account here all the more powerful. We talked about that last weekend. Some of us preachers got together. We were uh, we were discussing this, and one of the one of the most interesting things that they talked about was just how. How sometimes we place those limitations on God, that he can't, he can't heal us from our illness, or he can't deliver us from, from a difficult situation. But the scripture proves it time and time again, and even now, even in this present life, we see this to be, we see our brethren being delivered from difficult situations, from health, from persecution, from legal matters, from all these things. But what he requires from us is our faith and our trust in him that's what the scripture seems to bear out continually over and over again and he won't disappoint us Abraham even though it's the scripture says he didn't obtain, he didn't obtain the promise in this lifetime when he passed on because of his faith he did obtain it he, he received it not on this earth but he received it what after the fact right because he had faith that the Lord would provide for him any questions, comments Enjoy the discussion tonight spending time with you all